Yes, sir. And welcome to the Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus. I'm your host, Brock Hendricks. And before we get started with the show, I just want to tell you how you can participate. You can participate with the show first by listening to us on anywhere you get at your podcast. That's Spotify. That's Apple Music and uh, other places, Stitcher. So just search uh, Road to Damascus podcast and give us a listen. Then you can reach us and be a part of the show by participating, reaching us via email. That's Road to Damascus at iCloud.com. Road to Damascus. Road the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. As well as on our social medias, we're on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Most of our engagement right now is on Instagram and Twitter, but we'll be getting that TikTok page up and running real soon with clips and all, things like that. But uh, that's Road to Damascus on any of those um, outlets. So give us a follow, give us a shout out, listen, participate, tell us how much you love the show, how much you don't like the show, topics you would like for us to discuss. But we would love for you to be a part of our Road to Damascus family. So without further ado, let's get this party started. Coming with me, you know her well, the great and powerful Oz, the sage, the wise one, the oracle, the oracle of Detroit is what I call her. She always is um, hitting us with so much knowledge. The great Yoda, the great Jedi, just I don't have enough synonyms, acronyms, the source words to describe this great woman. Ladies and gentlemen, the rabbi, Shonda. Wow, man. I'm humbled and glad to just be here sharing this space with you. Well, I'm so to be fully transparent with the people listening today, um, when you get this show, you know, we drop episodes on Monday. So you'll be getting this on Monday. We typically record on Saturday. Um, Shonda has some previous um, things on her schedule that she couldn't get out of. So we are recording this on Resurrection Sunday in the evening because this episode just had to be done. <laughs> and we had to do it this week because God has been guiding. Big time. And we couldn't let this fire. <laughs> the fire that Shonda got, the fire that I got, could not be quelled by just, you know, Resurrection Sunday. He's risen. Yep. He died for the remissions of our sins. Mm -hmm. He knows we love him. And this word needed to be shared. We got to let it out. We got to let it out. So you doing good today, Rabbi? I'm doing great. All right. Well, um, just just before we start, if uh, anybody has a church that's on, <laughs> that was for <laughs> Tracy. That was <laughs> uh, Tracy. That was that the was tables for, and chairs. You get the tables and chairs. <laughs> no, um, so. Um, just before we start, I'm just going to say this. I'm not one of those people that constantly likes to go back and reestablish something that I've said. So when we begin to talk about this topic and dive in, I don't want to keep going back and saying, well, not every church because it's not every church. Right. So when we talk and use the term church is this way and church is that way, maybe that's not your church. Maybe that's not your building. We're not taking any particular shots at any particular church or ministry. We're just talking about in general, 
things that we know happens in church and things that we know that don't happen in church. And even by the time we're done, you might stop calling the church. But that's uh, <laughs> go ahead and dive right in. Rabbi. Yes, sir. So this has been on me for years. 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 Yes. But I didn't know how to express myself and maybe I didn't have the venue to be able to express myself. But I'm going to go ahead and just um, go ahead and rip the tape off. Rip it. Do you believe what we call church, the building, is stunning people's growth spiritually? Yes. Please elaborate. Well, how about tell them the title? <laughs> tell them what we tell them the title. The Great Fishbowl. The Great Fishbowl. That is what the title of this podcast is going to be, The Great yeah. Fishbowl. And the reason I chose the Great Fishbowl is because when we were growing up, we all had, for the most part, a lot of people I know had goldfish. And you would have your goldfish, you would feed it, you might sometimes clean the bowl, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, you know. But you had your little goldfish, feed it the little food, don't put too much in there. Right. Maybe your fish lasts six months, maybe it lasts a week. But goldfish, even if you had it six months or a year, that goldfish wouldn't get that big. Mm-hmm. I didn't know until I was maybe in my teens that a goldfish can get as big as it can get. Yeah. What I found out was that the goldfish only gets as big as the bowl that it's in. Right. And it's church the great fish bowl when it comes to our spiritual growth. Yes. Because you really can only expand the width, well, actually a little less than the width of your environment. And the church shouldn't be a fishbowl, it should be an ocean. So if you're going to cram an ocean into a fishbowl, you're going to have to leave some things out because everything's not going to fit. Who determines what goes in, what goes out? I think one of the things that have been left out are um, social issues, it's been left out of the fishbowl. So when you don't discuss those things, then people aren't educated about those things, and we don't discuss them within the framework of this is the house of God where we get the roadmap of how we should be, how we should love each other, how we should treat each other. We start leaving those things out, and then we wonder why we have, why there's a lack of relationship building because we're not talking about things that affect us and people that look like us because there wasn't enough room in the fishbowl for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely think that it is it is a fishbowl. So what we're going to do before we really dive in is I want to give a history for people to understand because I want to make sure all our bases are covered. Okay. So this is the history. Shonda, I looked up the word synagogue. I know you did. Because synagogue is what we know as a synagogue today is a place where Jewish people go for their worship. So I looked up the word synagogue. Synagogue is a Greek word that means gathering place. Every village in the first and second century when Jesus was walking the earth and previous to him, he was from Nazareth. Every city and every town had its own synagogue. Synagogue was a place that they it was a gathering place. It was almost like a community center. Okay, what we would call a community center. They would go there to read the Torah. They would go there for teaching of the Torah, the kids teaching. They would go there for food, like 
people would stay there, use it almost like as a hostel if they were visiting from other villages as they're passing through. This was all what they would do at their synagogue. Right. There was only one temple. That temple was in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That's where they went for prayer, for sacrifice, and things like that. So every town had a synagogue, but there was only one temple. Right. So the temple was where they went to do the things that we talk about, the Holy of Holies and the sacrifice and things like that. That's where the um, the, the high priest would have to go right. and things like that. But it was only one temple. But every town, Nazareth, Samaria, Judea, <laughs> all of the towns that we read about had synagogues. All synagogue is is a gathering place. Right. What we go to on Sunday mm -hmm. is not church. No. It's a synagogue. It's a building. It's a meeting place. It is a meeting place. We are the church. I am going to say that for the people in the back that cannot hear me. We are the church. Yes. What me and Shonda is doing right now is church. We're sharing the word with one another and we're sharing the word with you. Right. Because she brings her church. I bring my church. Our churches intermingle. We talk about the word. We talk about relationships. We, we do things to iron sharpening iron. Right. That was the purpose. There was never a purpose for us to meet in a building and stay in that building and then just share amongst one another. Because all we're doing is reaffirming an idea that one person, mainly the pastor, shares or believes, excuse me. It was never meant for us to just be in that one place at one time and not go out and what? Discipleship. Right. So I want people to know the history of that. Then you start to go into the fourth century once Constantine became um, ruler and he uh, made Christianity or, yeah, Christianity the, um, the, main. the main religion of Rome. Then what? Because he's in charge and is wrong, they wanted to build these big cathedrals, these temples. And that's where we started to get these individual churches because you had bishops and all cardinals and all this other stuff. And the church was the most powerful at that time. The church was the most powerful it had ever been in the world. Right. So fast forward, then you have Martin Luther who posted um, scripture outside of his house and he gets kicked out, but he died. He was still a Catholic, but he was just excommunicated. And then that's where you started to get the Protestant beliefs. Okay. But everything stems from Catholicism. Then you have what we have today. People feel like they're called to do ministry and they start their own church. Mm -hmm. What we call a church, which I will now from now on, when you hear me say synagogue, like I've taken rabbi and I call the rabbi. I'm going to call this a synagogue because it's a meeting place. It's not church. It's okay. a meeting place. I'm the church. You're the church. Right. Period. You know, and then people started to start their ministries and people will follow those ministries. So I just wanted to give that little brief history so people can understand where all of this is coming from. This is all you can look this up. I'm reading everything I'm reading is sourced. I'm not making this up right. and things like that. So. Back to the topic. I just wanted to make sure all of that was out there that you people understand. The, you come with the facts. Well, I, come he, with, he comes with the history. He's going to read. He's got statistics and, and graphics. <laughs> he's, he's got it. I love it. So 
back to the topic at hand. What I believe that the church has done, the synagogue, is it has institutionalized us. Should I hit the thing for myself? Hit it. Hit it. I am going to read the definition of institutionalized. The definition of institutionalized. Established in practice or custom. Established as part of an official organization. Apathetic and dependent after a long period in an institution. Let me read that third one one more time, Shonda. Apathetic and dependent after a long period in an institution. We have become institutionalized because the church tells us when to pray. It tells us when to come in, when to leave, when we can study. Most people do prayer. Say your church does prayer on Wednesday, Bible study on Friday, and Sunday service on Sunday. Mm -hmm. That's three days that the building is for sure open. Right. What about the other four days? Do I not need to be fed? Do, how often do you eat, Sean? I'm just curious. Every day. You eat a every day. Times. A few times a day. Yes. And when we compare the word and praying and all of this to spiritual food, how often should we eat when it comes to that? All day long. So what if I only have these services on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday? Mm -hmm. What else should I be doing on the other four days? You should be having church. But how am I going to have church if the building's closed? Because you are the church. But no, I can't be the church because we call that the church. Well, then we've called it the wrong thing. Because we are the church. Like, we gather in a meeting place. You bring your church. I bring my church. And then we have this exchange of the commune that we've had with God in our churches through the week. And we discuss, hey, this is what happened, and this is how he made my weaknesses strength. So this is where, you know, his strength showed up in my weakness, and this is what I was able to do. And I've invited, you know, other people and tried to show them how to become churches. And then you're sharing your experiences and your testimonies, and then we leave stronger with more information to take out into the marketplace that makes our light brighter so that we attract people to our church. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what, So what has happened that we've gotten away from that? Why do you think we've gotten away from that? Or is it because it's just become religion? It's become tradition. Tradition is religion is nothing but tradition. Right. You know, Everybody think, does it this way. Yeah. I've gotten into arguments with people because I, I've always Shonda, how many times have you heard me? And at, I've asked this at church. Who came up with this script? Right. Yes, you have. Because every church has a script. Every synagogue has a script. Your church serve. I guarantee you, your church has Sunday service. Some churches have two Sunday services, depending on how many people they have. Your church building is closed on Monday. Either Tuesday or Wednesday is prayer. Either Thursday or Friday is Bible study. And then what? Then maybe once a month you may have a, uh, on the weekend, you may have like a, a fellowship event maybe and then sunday service and and when you go to sunday service what is it shonda reading of a word mm -hmm. praise and worship the message 45 minutes to an hour maybe longer altar call tithes and offerings announcements and you send the people home is that pretty much the same script for 
how many churches have you visited in your day that follow that scripture? Oh, man, I've been going to church 33 years in, in, since being saved. I was, okay. My grandfather was founding pastor, so I've been going to church my whole life, you know, going to the buildings, to the meeting places, and they've all pretty much been the same. You know, take out a few, you know, things, a few idiosyncrasies here and there, but for the most part, you're absolutely right. It has been the same process. Doesn't matter what state you're in. Doesn't matter what organization you're a part of. It has been pretty much the same, except for in certain spaces where the spirit of the Lord is really free to do what he wants to do in what should be his meeting place. Okay. Okay. You want to elaborate on that? Let me say this. A dog isn't a dog. Because it has four legs and a tail. Cat has four legs and a tail. A dog is a dog because it has the spirit of a dog. So a church isn't a church because it has four walls and windows and instruments. A club has the same thing. A church is a church. It only becomes a church when it has the spirit of the living God in it. I'm sorry. Oh, where, where the spirit of the living God is moving freely, where he's throwing his weight around, where he's free to move and free to speak and free to flow. And because we go into so many meeting spaces where there really is no liberty for that, because even the Holy Spirit is scripted out and put on the time clock. This is why people have become apathetic. This is why there's no real emotion and no real concern and no real attention to what's happening. You know, people are coming there because it's a habit. This is what we do on Sundays. That was never, ever. The intention. The intention. Or the original design. At all. Jesus said what? He said, does the whale need a doctor? Right. When I go to the hospital, no matter what my ailment may be mm -hmm. somebody in that building can help me yes if i go in there with a broken foot mm -hmm. somebody can help me yeah. there's a podiatrist mm -hmm. if i go in there because i got ulcers there's somebody who can help me and look at my gastro yep. situation we have head and trauma neurologists for head and trauma we have pediatricians for children you got the cardiologist for your heart Jesus. Orthopedic surgeons and doctors for your bones. Jesus said, does the whale need a doctor? So if the whale, but if he, if we stick into the analogy of a doctor, a hospital, if the church or the synagogue is supposed to be the hospital, then how come we're only treating one ailment and that ailment is sin. And, and today of all days, when the person who paid the price for all of it, you see, I've heard you say before, Shonda, when your only tool is a hammer, then every problem is a nail. Every last one. of them. If we only talk about sin and that's all we concern ourselves with, then guess what happens, Shonda? Now, when I go out in this world and I meet a, a Hebrew Israelite that begins to know the word, just like I know the word, but is perverting it in a way to make me feel some type of way. But I don't have a rebuttal. Why don't people have rebuttal? How come most people can't tell you what they, why they believe what they believe? Because all we talk about is sin. How come most people 
excuse me, don't know about true love and the love of Christ and loving their neighbors because all we talk about is sin. How come you have people who can do whatever they want to do and say whatever they want to say and think just because I show up to this building on Sunday that I'm cool and free and can do whatever I want because all we talk about is sin. When your only tool is a hammer, then every problem is a nail. But we need to expand that toolbox. We need to be able to, to talk about people and their ailments. That's when your church, Shonda, my church, we come together and we're able to fellowship. Right. In the book of Acts, Paul goes into Greece and he comes into a, a town and there was a, a statue, right? Mm -hmm. And what did the statue say? To the unknown God. To the unknown God. They said people would meet there every day to talk about what they believed and why they believed it. Mm -hmm. Then they begin to hear Paul talking about it. Oh, he's talking about something new. And he laid it out for them. Right. But guess what? The fact that they were coming together every day, that was a form of church. Because these people were coming together to share their ideas. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpening iron. Why right. do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what you do? Me and my brother every day at 11 a.m. have a prayer call. Right. Where we invite other people to come on and we pray, we share the word every day. Right. And if one of us can't be on the call, we'll have a text message chain where the person whose turn it is will read it through the mm -hmm. through the voice memo. Right. This is the scripture I was going to read. This is why I chose the scripture. And here's a prayer for y'all to have the rest of the day. That is something that's me eating throughout the week. That's right. church. I've had people that reached out to me and said this prayer call has helped them more than any time that they've been in the building. Why? Because I'm able to answer questions that they may have when people have questions and you might say, well, that's what Bible study is for. But in Bible study, there's one topic that you're talking about. So if I have a question that isn't about the topic, now I'm what I'm out of turn and I'm turning the class away from what they should be. Right. But we do all of this following this same script. I've seen this show for 50 seasons, 70 seasons. Right. And guess what? We're losing viewers. Mm -hmm. The numbers are dropping. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. Right. We've been doing the same thing. I'm not telling you to, to close your buildings down. What I'm telling you is, is to change your mindset and what you're doing. Right. Focus back on what, what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be a hospital. So when the children are starting to turn into teenagers, we can have honest conversations and have people that can, they can point them into to talk about sex and their feelings and the changes in their body. When couples are going through issues and we're wondering why 50% of marriages is ended in divorce and 70%, excuse me, 60% of churches, church Christians, marriages are ended in divorce. We can, well, why are they ending in divorce? Or do we have, Older married couples who've been through issues that can talk to these married couples and counsel them when singles are feeling like I, there's nobody out here for me to talk to about my singleness. When I'm burning in my flesh and there's things I want to do, who right. do they talk to? Do we have classes or meetings or send those them to people that can help them do this? We don't do any of that. You on fire, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm just saying. So what, I, what I've said, Shonda, you, you just brought up an analogy of a dog. I'm going to give you a different analogy. The church is a domesticated lion. Mm. <laughs> you want me to hit that for myself? Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of y'all may have seen um, 
the, the Netflix show about the, the Lion King or whatever, the guy, Joe Exotica. But there are places where people raise lions mm-hmm. and you can go and take pictures with them, pet them like they pets. Right. Now, every once in a while, will a lion in natural instincts kick in and they may do something crazy because it's a natural instinct. Right. But all in all, it's a domesticated house cat, but it looks like a lion. Mm-hmm. So when you walk out there, you see the mane. Right. You see the size. Yeah. They don't declaw it. So everything that you see when you watch National Geographic yep. is what you see when you walk into this place. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that this thing is domesticated. You can pet it. You can sit on it. It'll take a picture with you. So everything that it's supposed to look like, it is. That's the lion right there. It's ferocious. Mm-hmm. But it's a domesticated house cat. Right. We talk about the power of God and we talk about how great we are as Christians and all these other things. But the minute we get any turmoil, the minute you put us out in the wild, put that put that lion that is being raised domestically in the wild. And they like, well, we got to hunt for our food. (laughs) Where's the the trainer to come to bring me my food? Right. They ain't never hunted. They've never had to mate. Right. They've never had to fight within the. Uh, the ranks for who's going to be the alpha. Right. They've never had to do any of that. Right. That's what the church has done to they us. Probably don't even know the power of their roar, the power of their roar. So a domesticated lion will never be king of the jungle. But that's what we've done. Shonda. We've told you that you're a lion. You go in the mirror. You said, look at yourself. I'm a lion. But you a domesticated house cat with no power. Ooh. And that's what we've done to people. Yeah. Because we we have no power. Jesus said, these things that I do shall you do in greater. Mm-hmm. We see what Paul did. We see what the apostles did. We see what the, the, um, the women who Paul worked with. We see what Timothy did. We see what Titus did. We see what Barnabas did. Not, yeah, Barnabas, excuse me. All of these people in their early times. Then you read about later on. Some of the uh, people, Spurgeon and all these other people that came down the line, hear about the power and the move of God. Then we read up to Azusa Street and the things that were happening in Azusa Street. And there is, and even when you read Azusa Street, Azusa Street didn't have no script. They said they were just sitting there and just be worshiping for hours. Right. For hours. Right. No, no preaching, just praying in the spirit for hours. And guess what? That thing was spreading like wildfire. Right. Like you couldn't walk into the building that they was using for Azusa Street and not the power not just hit you. Right. It was almost like Moses. Take your shoes off. Place you're standing on is holy. But most places you go into, when the spirit starts to move like that, they will allow it for a little while, but then still feel like I need to say something because the people came to hear me. They did not. That's part of the problem. The people are coming to hear you. The people are coming to hear a man or woman, to see a man or woman. And that's not the time for a man or woman to be on display. That is why it is still a fishbowl, because you will never be able to put the Holy Spirit in that bowl. You can never. He's the ocean. It will never fit inside of a fishbowl. And we we don't know how deep the ocean is. Right. The ocean is so deep. Places have never been explored. That will that we we don't have the capacity because the farther you go now, it's like a suction. 
that will begin to squeeze if you put something metal, the pressure. the pressure of it, that we can't even get to those depths. And that's what we're supposed to be. Right. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And all of these fish and all of these sea creatures mm -hmm. are able to freely grow. You see how big a whale is? Yeah, it's scary. It's scary and beautiful. It's awesome and terrifying. At the same At time. At the same time. But they're able to grow that size right. because of the vast size. They don't have any barriers. No limitations. Right. How many people have died not using their awesome potential because they were in this fishbowl? They didn't know how great they could be. Right. What are we doing to help people explore and understand the talent that God has given them? Because... In the parable about the talents, mm -hmm. you can't say, well, my pastor didn't teach me this. Right. We didn't talk about this in service. Whatever talent you got, you're going to have to learn how to multiply it. And we're not teaching people how to multiply their talent. We're limiting their talent. Right. And some churches, when they see you got talent, you might have a little too much for them and they got to put you on the back burner. <laughs> because the person in charge is scared or intimidated mm -hmm. by your potential power. Right. It's true. We don't, we're not multiplying talents. We we're telling people come and watch mine. Come, come and listen to me. Come see my talent on display. Now we will tell people that, that they have it. You are gifted beyond what you can see. The power of God and the presence of God is all over you. And I see great things, but we're not nurturing those things. We're not giving space for those things to be honed. We're not shaping them. We're not using any sandpaper. We're not doing anything with it. The only time you will potentially see a group of doctors all huddled in one space is when they're doing trainings and presentations to sharpen their skills or when they are with a specialist who's showing them how to move from where they are to somewhere greater, how to do something different with what you have, how to use these new uh, materials. Hey, let, why don't you learn how to do it laparoscopically instead of with the scalpel? You get the same results, but you do less damage. Why is it that we in the church don't do that? Why are we not learning how to use the Holy Spirit to laparoscopically do things, but we're still doing it with our flesh and causing more damage? That was bars right there. And she used laserscopically. Which I didn't even know what that was. Which <laughs> I, it sound good, <laughs> but it sound good though. Yeah, you know, laparoscopically they make four little incisions, and okay. it's almost like a a video game. Like joysticks that it's on the screen. Oh, okay, okay, that. I know. Yeah. What I've so seen. They don't that. have to cut you yeah. all the way down your chest and, and they take able. you out. You know, for right. six months. No, gotcha. a few weeks, you're back on your feet. Why are we not allowing the Holy Spirit to train us like that? Why are we still trying to use old tools and scalpels that cause so much wait time and damage? And a lot of times when we slice people with scalpels, you don't even wait around to see. And if people understood that the person who is in front of you speaking every day or every Sunday is a man just like you with a different calling, but that they are susceptible to mistakes. They're susceptible to errors. They're susceptible to bad judgment. 
that maybe we wouldn't have so many people walking around with church hurt mm-hmm. because you standing up there and you hurt or been hurt. So you passing your hurts on to other people where if they had been talking to me or to Shonda or to somebody else, and then they'd be like, well, these are the things, the pitfalls that can happen within ministry. And these are the things can happen when you serve in God. None of us are perfect, but we press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. And, and sometimes when we're walking a, a, a journey, you may stumble a little bit, but you don't fall. So now they understand better what they're getting themselves into. Right. People will get water baptized, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we just throw them in there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they might have a million questions. What is the Holy Spirit? What does it do? Right. What is what? What am I able to do with it? What is it supposed to do for me? What is it supposed to stop me from doing? Right. How come I just got saved last week, but I still can't stop cussing? Right. How come I got saved last week and I don't, I still want to have sex with my girlfriend? Right. Like all of this, right. like we, we don't explain to people that there's a process that goes on with that. They just, they got saved. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Put you on the list. Here's the number to make sure you tithe every week. And if you got any questions, set up a meeting and we'll talk. You know, let me say this. This is why, you know, Fish, fish bowls and, and people who own fish or people who care for fish are, are so important. In a, with a fish bowl, you can only put, one, a certain amount of fish in there, and two, only certain kinds of fish. You can't put a goldfish in there with a betta fish because it's going to eat it up. Now, you can put that, that fish in there, the algae eater, the one that just suck all the, you know. Algae the off the gu- right. glass. It doesn't matter what you put in there with them. Nobody's right. going to mess with them. They stay on the glass. They just move around eating all the, you know. The algae, the keeping the, the tank keeping clean. Keeping the tank clean. But you can't put two beta fish in the tank together, you know, because as soon as they see each other, the fight is on. The fight is on. Somebody, and it's a fight to the death. And when you had a piranha, because people, yeah. I, you throw whatever you put in that fish with that piranha, gonna, it, was, it was done. Right. So who has that kind of time? Listen, we all have to be together, which is why we can't be in a little tank like this. We all have to be in the ocean. Everything in the ocean instinctively knows what it's supposed to do. The whale knows what it's supposed to eat, what it's not supposed to eat. The dolphins know what they're supposed to eat and not supposed to eat. That whatever, everything in there for them, they know what that is. Schools of fish that flock together, they swim by, they know exactly what to do. Why is it that we have such difficulties? And the person, most fish die, one, because they're either not being fed right or they're being overfed or given the wrong food. That was a bar. Just so y'all know, that was a bar. That was a bar. So when you're responsible for maintaining this fishbowl, you can't afford to be ignorant. You can't afford to not know what's happening. You can't afford to not know what kind of fish is in the bowl because each fish needs some. You can't just throw... um, well, let's. How about we just put some lettuce in there? You got you got to know how to feed the fish and what what to feed them. What right. how much to put in there? Exactly. What what is appropriate? Because if if you get a little cube of food and you only got one fish, that's too much for him. Right. But if you got several fish, that might be not enough. Exactly. So you got to know. See, what we have to do is become marine biologists, and marine biologists study fish absolutely to understand the temperament, because in your church. And it be in the ocean, in your synagogue, mm-hmm. guess what, Shonda? You got whales. Mm-hmm. You got orcas. 
You got dolphins. Mm-hmm. You got sharks. And remember, and even you got some salmon who will jump right in the mouth of a bear. Right, <laughs> right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. You got piranhas. <laughs> you got some koi fish. You got some clownfish. You got some a lot fish of clownfish. Listen, you got some with one uh, with one fin. You got starfish. Oh, yeah. You got some. You got some fish that can get in an environment. Mm-hmm. And blend in, and you don't even know it's there. Right. But if you study to show yourself approved, a good worksman who need not be ashamed, mm-hmm. but rightly devise the word of truth. Right. Then you will know what you're dealing with. And again, I'm not saying that we need to get, I'm just going to put this, this is my last time giving. We're not saying this is every building. No. I'm not telling you to shut down your synagogue. What I'm saying is, is you need to throw out your script. Because the script's not working anymore. Right. We're in a, a time where our numbers are dropping. The message isn't being heard anymore. People feel like, well, I went to church and I didn't get this and I didn't get that. And my thing is this. You feel like, well, if you didn't get that, that was on you. You No. We need, we need, Paul said what? I was all things. To all people. To all people. So what, what makes us think that they got to come and conform to us? Shonda, That's not I'm going to ask you again. What makes me think? If Paul said, I had to be all things to all men. That means no matter what room I was in, I had to conform. So when right. Paul was with these Gentiles, he ate like a Gentile. Why? Because he had to be. Because if you come into my house and I offer you something to eat mm-hmm. and you don't accept my food, then what, why should I listen to anything you're going to say? Right. We do the same thing. We become all things to all people. You know how many people who don't believe what I believe that, that want to sit down and have a conversation with me. Hey, come on, let's, let's go. Let's go to lunch or let's go to dinner. Let's hang out. Can I come and sit and talk with you? Sure. Because they want to know about the, un- to them it's the unknown guy. Right. They but- want to know why, why are we so different? You know, what is it about you that makes you like that? Like what makes you talk like that? Act like that. Yeah. Believe like that. Right. Not get angry in certain situations. Absolutely. Keep your composure. Because they'll say something to you like this. You different. Mm-hmm. Like I've been around people who say they believe. Yeah. But they hot-headed. Mm-hmm. Quick-tempered. Popping off. Do what they want, when they want. And I be thinking like, now you ain't like this other person I know who right. say they believe the same thing you believe. But maybe because you've been allowed to have an intimate relationship mm-hmm. and this other person is just believing what the man up front is saying and going off of him. Yeah. And he doesn't address the internal needs right. that I have. See, Jesus allowed the apostles room to trip up and make mistakes. Mm-hmm. When he called them, Shonda, None of them were dis- had done discipleship before. Right. And what is the first thing you tell them? Watch me a couple times and then go and make disciples. Right. He sent them out like fresh. And like we be telling people, oh, take all this time, this time. You got to do this. Jesus said, go out and, and we're going to see what mistakes you make. And then I'll correct you as you make these mistakes. He had the sons of Zebedee. He basically bestowed them the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Within the first couple, the sons of Zebedee was ready to catch a village on fire, send fire from heaven because they got upset and they feeling. No, see, because I need to know. See what you said this before, Shonda, and 
you said when you do marriage counseling, you ask the couples, have you ever seen this person mad? Because I need to know yep. what you look like mm-hmm. when you're angry. Yep. Why not give a person that's newly saved an assignment? Because I need to see what you look like when you make a big mistake. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Right. Do you beat yourself up? Do you internalize it? Or do you just... Do you oh, beat other people up? <laughs> you know, what, what happens? I need to know. But we don't do that. But what we, we do is... We try it, to take everybody and make them just like us. Just like us. So, so what... What they become is a, a less version of you, and you ain't that great. Right. And then we become angry with them when they become like us. You're not mad at them. You're mad at you. You're not mad at the person. We're training people to be like us instead of looking at them and seeing who they are. Listen, let people do what they do so you can see what they really want to do. Because you could possibly be trying to make somebody do something that their heart is really not in, that they really don't want to do it. How many people are in this fishbowl that were captured and put in the fishbowl? We have captured some feral Christians who needed to be feral like John the Baptist and domesticated them. And not just let them do their thing. Right. And we've watered down their message, watered down their spirits, made them feel like they weren't good enough. Like, you know, well, maybe I wasn't good enough because we don't use Because you don't do it the way I do it. Right. You don't talk the way I talk. You don't look the way I look. You don't say it the way I say it. Does that matter? Is is what I'm doing effective? Right. Because clearly John the Baptist didn't look like Jesus, but I promise you both of their messages were effective. And no matter how John the Baptist looked, who did Jesus go to to get baptized? John. John. John said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to baptize you. Jesus said, do what you do. Right. Didn't stop him. Didn't correct him. Didn't tell him he was wrong. Didn't tell him what he was doing. Didn't say the way you doing it, you need to stop. He didn't do any of that. None of that. Go ahead and keep doing you. Peter was around Jesus for three years. Did Peter stop being angry? No. For three, Shonda, he was with him every day for three years. And still at the end, Peter cutting Joker's ears off. Right. Whipping his knife out, cussing folks out. Oh, you talk just like them. Like hell I do. Right. <laughs> he had to do something drastic. But but to my thing is. the appearance that he wasn't with them. But it, it was still in him though. Oh, yeah. And Jesus never. And, and Jesus never shunned Peter. No. Never made him feel bad for that fire that he had in him because mm-hmm. Jesus needed that fire. Right. Peter has an audience. You know, there's an audience of people like him. There's an audience of people like you. There's an audience for people like me. And we have identifiable characteristics that were given to us by God on purpose, for purpose. So we are never lost in a crowd. He can pick you out of a crowd because of the sound of your voice, the look of your skin, the way you walk, the way you talk. You will never not be heard by him, no matter how many voices are going at the same time. He will recognize yours as long as you're not pretending to be somebody else. Because you've been trained to pretend to be somebody else. When Jesus is looking and saying, this ain't who I made you to be. It's not. And you're wondering why you're not effective. And and then when we talk about, when Jesus talks about the only parable that Jesus ever explained was the parable of the sower. 
And how many seeds are being planted that's being choked? Right. Because they hear the word, but they're not rooted in anything. Mm-hmm. Come on, Shonda. This religion thing is torn us down. We have to get out of this religion mindset. Right. It's nothing but religion. And I know some people may hear this and be offended and feel some type of way. Then this message is for you. Get out of your feelings and get into the word. Right. Get it out of your feelings and understand that this was never about you. This was never about one person standing up on the front every Sunday and regurgitating the same thing week after week after week. If you, my thing is that, and I'm going to say something, Shonda, that's going to shock you. You know who is closest to having the type of establishment that we should have, but they missing the mark? Who is that? Mega Ministries. And you know how I feel about Mega Ministries. I do. Shonda. I'm shocked. But I'm going to say, and hear me out. Most Mega Ministries have five to six pastors. Mm -hmm. Then they have maybe another five to six executive pastors. So that means you might not hear the same person week to week. Right. Different message. They have other executive pastors. So during the week, if people need to have meetings, these are the people that you can sit and meet with. What is your issue? Oh, I'm going to send you to, to pastor so-and-so. What's your issue? I'm going to send you to pastor so-and-so. They have schools for the children to go to. They have um, um, campuses so the children can go and play daily or while you in Bible study. They have children's Bible study, but then they'll have games and activities. They have um, uh Restaurants, some of them have restaurants in them so people can eat while they're there. Coffee shops, they allow people Wi-Fi so people want to come during the week and study. Like a lot of these uh, mega ministries are open seven days a week. Now, the message, <laughs> that's a, totally different. But I'm just talking about in concept. Right. In co- Just in concept. I got you. That's the closest that is to what we're supposed to be doing because they try to meet every need. They have speakers to come. To their church. I remember one church had the um the man who wrote um um Love and Respect. Mm-hmm. Um the the uh, book. Um Edgar Edgar, um, I can't think is is Eckridge, Eckridge, something like that. But he wrote the book and he came and did a three day um seminar mm-hmm. about his book for married couples and you know, some singles were there, but talking about why men need respect and why women need love. They try to do all of this stuff to why? Because they understand that there are more needs that need to be met. Mm-hmm. We can't just sit and talk about sin every day. Shonda, guess what? Jesus paid the price for sin. All right, now that you know that, now let me teach you some things because you need to know some things. Right, and and and, and most of the time, well, not all the time, sin is just an inappropriate response to the natural stimuli. So if we talked about more of these things and issues, chances are, there would be less people who were prone to respond inappropriately because Jesus already dealt with sin. The issue is people and their hearts and their feelings because people are married to their feelings. But Hey, if you know, if you stand in there with your uh, pole and your rod and reel and you are fishing inside the fishbowl, chances are you're going to always come up with a goldfish. All the time. Every single time. You can only catch what you put in there. It's your fishbowl. You bought the fish. You feed the fish. So chances are. And then you complaining about the fish. And then when fish start dying. Yeah. Then you wondering why they dying. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going on? Right. Fish one. They wanted to be like, uh, what was the movie? (laughs) The fish want to get back home to the ocean. Uh, 
Nemo? Nemo. Finding Nemo. Because yeah. Nemo had been in the ocean. And you going to put me in a fishbowl? Nemo said all of us need to be. Nemo, hey, Nemo was Moses. <laughs> he in there like, let my people go. And these pastors is like the little girl. That she come and she get a fish. And when they get there, they be like, oh, no, you're going to die. Right. Because she treat them fish like trash. Right. And we have people who have a a, 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 a hatred or a feeling of discontent towards people. Mm-hmm. And they call themselves ministers. That's, you know, that's sensitive because <laughs> you cannot operate in, in the power of real ministry without loving people. You just can't. I'm, I'm sorry, you can. Your reward would just be depart from me. I never knew you. So I don't want to say for all of those of you, I, I don't want to tell everybody you can't. You can. But that will be your, your reward. You can do it. You can do it without repentance. You can do it based on just your gift alone or your, your talent alone. But you won't have any anointing. And I think one of the worst things, and we've all seen it, someone who's still in position or operating and there's no oil. The oil is gone. They can't see it, but everybody else can. We've got to start doing things differently. And if we do it differently, transition will happen so much smoother because now we don't have somebody up there who shouldn't be up there. Because you, because if I go, say you got five ministers, Shonda, and you rotate between them five ministers, mm-hmm. you never segregate what they message going to be. Whatever God put on you to say, you say. Right. What if you, one of your ministers is a teacher? And every time they come up there, they teach because so I'll tell you some of the pastors that I've liked TD Jakes, mm-hmm. Noel Jones, Fred Price, Fred Price ain't nothing like Noel Jones or TD Jakes at all. Like not even close. No. Fred Price would stay there, hold that Bible the whole time. Mm-hmm. And why he walking around, he reading out of that book. Effective. Effective. But he had a packed church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter about the messenger, it's about the message. Right. It doesn't matter who's giving the message. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter who the messenger is. It's about the message. Is it effective? Right. Is it saying something? Is it speaking to something that I'm dealing with right now? Right. And then when it speaks to something I'm dealing with right now, are we having Bible studies? Do Why don't we have a day of the week where we call it Bible study, but we have people come in and everybody bring a question that they've just been wanting answers to. Mm-hmm. And they ask a question and maybe the pastor at the church don't have an answer, but Shonda sitting right next to you, be like, Hey, you know, I've been studying that. Right. And this is what I came up with. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes what communal, right? It's about community. Shonda. I like that. actually. I, I really like, but that. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We have to make this thing communal. Yeah. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, yes, I, I am. am. Iron is supposed to sharpen iron. Yeah. Jesus and the apostles would sit around and he would teach and then he would listen to them and let them speak what was going on with them and what they observed. They would go to different times. All right, y'all go here. Y'all go here. And then we come back at the evening and discuss mm-hmm. what we've what we done. So what did you see was effective for you? What was less effective? Right. What was the message they needed to hear? Mm-hmm. Well, we go to this town. 
because again, Sean, the principalities are different in different places. Right. What's going to work in the city of Detroit ain't going to work in Biloxi, Mississippi. Right. What's working in Los Angeles, California is not going to work in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Right about it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a different message and a different feel and a different principality that these people are dealing with. What's going on in America, that message is not going to work in what's going on in South Africa. Right. Or Nigeria. Right. What's going on in China, mm-hmm. their message is not going to be effective for us. Right. Because when you're in a communist country, that don't even want you talking about Christianity. So, and my thing is this, Shonda. In a country where they are communist-led, atheists, mm-hmm. how do these people have service? Oh, how do these people have service, Shonda? Underground, or they don't. Letters, secret meeting places, mm-hmm. apartments. Are we telling them that that that's not church because they're not in the building with four walls and a white Jesus on the wall? Absolutely not. That is absolutely church. So how, so how come it's acceptable for them, but it's not acceptable for us? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We don't look at it that way. Where people have to go underground and meet, and they might only be able to meet for 10 minutes. Right. I, I'm not sure that Western culture understands that that's where we're going. That's where we're headed, which is why right now this fishbowl is so dangerous. Because in order to go underground, you got to have ocean tendencies and proclivities. And when you've been in a, ocean, a bowl your whole life, and now they come and crack these bowls and put everybody in the ocean, now you don't know what to do. you like that lion. The lion that's been domesticated his whole life, the authorities come and say, we're going to reintegrate this lion into the wild. How are you going to reintegrate a lion into the wild right. that ain't never been in the wild? Yeah. He's going to get killed out there. Like some Christians trying to have a conversation with the Hebrew Israelite. Or um, someone from the nation of Islam. You get ate up because inside that fishbowl, not a whole lot of knowledge. It's not a whole lot of education. Everybody in there is just like you. Being inside of the fishbowl reminds me of being on one of the five porches where everybody was lame. You don't realize you lame because nobody around you is walking. Amen. So this is how it is until somebody comes through walking. You don't know that you're in a fishbowl till they put your little bitty tank besides a big one. And you see a giant shark in another tank. You never even knew that it was possible for a, a fish to get that size. Because all you've ever seen is this little area that you live in. If all we ever get to see is inside of the four walls where we are, how are we supposed to take the message into the marketplace if all we getting is fish food? <laughs> I had to hit all three, Shonda. I'm sorry. I had to hit all three. That's what happens. We get outside this boat, we flopping. Shonda, you've just had an experience with an event individual. It's your story to tell, not mine. But this individual has given a life to Jesus. Yes. Over a several month period. Mm-hmm. It was leading up to it. Yeah. They would call you weekly. It went from maybe weekly to daily mm-hmm. where they just couple scriptures here, couple scriptures there. Yeah. You know, you tell them, well, watch this, read this, mm-hmm. look at this to the point that now they, they 100% in, right? Oh yeah. How many times have they been to the synagogue in this time, in this time frame? None. Wait, wait, wait. 
Say that again. None. So their only reference to Jesus in this time of conversion. Mm-hmm. How long would you say this has been going on for? I've probably been in, involved a few months. So since the beginning of the year? Yeah. Okay. So it's Resurrection Sunday. We what? 16, 16 weeks into the year? 17 weeks? Yeah. 16. So they haven't been. No church. No church. No. But they've given their life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the only reference that they person they were using as a reference and a tool was you. Yes. So how is that possible? You want the answer? I want the answer. I don't live in the fishbowl. I don't. I believe, I believe that the people of God go to the meeting place to get tools to go back to work in the marketplace. So I don't just wait until I get to the building to work. Because when I'm in here, I'm not the one working. I'm in here to receive. I'm in here to get educated. I'm in here to be sharpened. I'm in here to see, like, hey, what, well, you know, what are you doing? What's happening with you? How, how is God expanding you? Well, how did you get that expansion? Well, I mean, well, what did you do to get that? Well, how, did, how is he talking to you like that? I'm in here to get more tools so that when I leave back out and people have questions, so I leave out enlightened like Moses. So the people are like, well, why are you glowing like that? Why do you look like that? Why are you always happy? Why are you unbothered? Well, this is why. And when I asked this person, I was like, why are you trusting me with this? Why are you talking to me? And she said, you're the only spiritual person I know. So our responsibility is always to be an ambassador for Christ. Our responsibility. Because we're kingdom citizens. We are kingdom citizens. So when we meet at the synagogue, we're supposed to learn how to use the tools that God has given us. With Shonda, he may have given Shonda a hammer, Mm -hmm. a drill, a screwdriver, Phillips head, flathead, and that's it. Them your only two. Brock, he may have gave an air compressor, a hammer. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But the tools you have, you need to learn how to use them. The tools I have, I need to learn how to use them. But if I'm only hearing about the person up front and the tools that they got and how to use them, I'm only going to know how to use their tools. But when I meet somebody who falls in the category of the tools I use, I don't know how to use my own tools. Right. I'm like, hey, show show me how to use that. Oh, you got a screwdriver? Show me how to use that. Right. Oh, you got an air compressor? Show Show me how to use that. How do I do that? But most people want the diplomatic immunity that comes with being an ambassador ambassador without actually functioning in their position. Title without function. Title without function. I don't believe in that. I don't care what you call me. You can call me Shonda. That's fine. I would rather, I would rather be able to do the work without a title than have a title and unable to do the work. You could call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. If you don't know what you're doing and you aren't qualified for the work you're doing, it will show. It is going to show. Where where your fruit? Where your fruit at, Apostle? Oh, I saw I saw this video. Did you see the video I posted on the road to Damascus page with I Bishop did. Locke? And she said that's. <laughs> She said, all you got is your shandalaravosa and all this speaking in tongues, but you ain't got no fruit. So that don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. We are literally walking around with fake fig trees that need to be cursed 
Because you ain't producing no fruit. None. And ain't nobody talking about these trees that's fruitless. Right. Or it look like a tree, leaves and bloom. Mm-hmm. And Jesus walked up and said, Because hey, all you want to be is a tall tree. But can't nobody eat off you. <laughs> Just out here looking pretty. Looking pretty. Ooh, that's a, look at, look at the tree. But you can't eat nothing from it. Or every time something grow on it, it's bitter. Or it's got a worm in the middle. Shonda, you see a lion coming down the street and you start running and it come at you and it jump on you. Then it lick you in the face. Right. You be like, wait, what kind of lion? What What is happening? I thought this thing was about to kill me. And it's licking me? Yeah. Because it's a big domesticated house cat. Yeah. The expectation. You have the title of a lion. But your function. Your roar is not even scary. Roar. Meow. Like, what? What is happening? What is happening? And then people are offended when you tell them the truth about what they're not doing or what they are doing. People are offended because they don't want you to point out that they're not equipped. Real leaders, people follow them without a title. That's how you know this is the person that you should make a leader because they are already functioning in this position. People will follow them no matter where they go, and they don't have a title. Find somebody who's doing the work and anoint and ordain that person for the work. Jesus, No, we we got our friends in the bowl. Right. We're going to take them out the bowl, put them in position, and then find we're going to put the domesticated lion in the position and then find a pharaoh one who was raised in the jungle and make them the number two so that the pretty quiet cat get all the recognition. Even though the, the pharaoh cat is Doing the one. Doing all the work. Shonda, I told you before, Jesus sent them out. He had a pharaoh cat and Peter, the sons of Zebedee, they was a little feral too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brought people rough around the edges, the 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 scourgs of society, people that you wouldn't normally listen to, tax collector and Matthew, and all of that. These were the people he chose. He didn't choose them because of how they looked and pretty, and he chose them because of their heart. Right, they had a heart for people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take you knowing you got a heart for people, even though you may be a little rough around the edges. Right. That's fine. I can deal with that because I know at the end of the day where your heart is. Absolutely. And when you do something, see, Jesus said uh, David was a man after his own heart. Now, this man after Jesus, after God's own heart, slept with another man's wife, mm-hmm. sent that man to the front to be killed. Then when he was given an analogy about a, a man with one sheep and a man with a thousand sheep and the man with a thousand sheep killed the man with one sheep, uh, took his sheep and killed it. And he said, who is this man? Bring him to me. Mm-hmm. And Samuel said, it's you. Right. That's what you did. And he immediately went and repented. Right. This is why truth is necessary because some people can't see themselves like you can't see the picture when you're the frame sometimes you're too close to it to see what you're really doing this is why those who are responsible to tell the truth need to tell it without watering it down so that it has the effect it needs to have the truth will have its perfect work if we just tell it and not worry about offending you i'd rather offend you and you change and get it right than to keep stroking your ego make you feel like you're looking good and then watch you shipwreck 
and destroy a bunch of people that you take with you. So it's time to pick that fishbowl up and throw it against the wall. It's time to break it. So we've talked about the fishbowl mm-hmm. and the limitations of the fishbowl. Yes. So how do we get people out of this fishbowl? How do we get people to recognize that they're in a fishbowl and tell them to go to the... Why don't we do it this way? How do we get people to ask the question that I've been asking for 10 plus years? I've gotten into arguments with people about who make me feel like I'm less of a Christian because I don't get to go to church every Sunday because of things I may have to do with my family, things I may have to do with my job. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not missing service just because I want to just not show up, but things and situations happen. And my thing is this, my first ministry starts where Shonda at home. At and home. if my, and if my daughter doesn't see me at her recital on Sunday, they have it on Sunday. It's not my choice, but that's when they choose to have these competition recitals and she don't see me there. And, but knowing that I'm at this church and edifying and taking care of other people's children, how do you think that's going to make my daughter feel about me? Not good, but you won't know until she gets grown. But then we justify that and 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 be okay with this person being up on the front and speaking. No, go to your daughter's thing and let somebody else do it. Right. I promise you, you won't go to hell because you missed the Sunday to go see your daughter perform. Right. So many people sacrifice their families in the name of ministry. And that's supposed to be your first ministry. Yep, Absolutely. Or tell your kid, well, you can't do it because that's when they got these competitions. And it's something that they're passionate about. Right. And maybe what they're doing, their dance ministry, may bring other souls in. Right Now we're limiting them and we're putting them into a fishbowl within society and telling them what they can't do. Right. Because, listen, if if I'm in the fishbowl, okay, if, if I'm in charge of the fishbowl, I'm, I'm, in there, I'm in there too. The last thing I want to see are those close to me getting bigger and I'm stuck in the fishbowl. So the first thing we have to do is get out of the fishbowl and allow ourselves to expand so that other people can recognize that they have the opportunity to expand as well. Because you can't teach from inside the fishbowl that you need to get out of it. You got to first get out. We have to help people see bigger fish so that they understand, like, wow, I didn't even know it was possible to get that big. That means somebody in there got to recognize that they've outgrown this little environment and stretch out and bust that fishbowl open. And once you bust it open, all the fish come sliding out. All of them. All of them. And now they got the freedom to grow as well. Absolutely. And now you can – and. You got to catch them early because I think about a line. Me and Stefan always use this line for matrix. When Neo got set free, Morpheus said to Neo, he said, usually minds like yours, we don't let them loose. He said, because you've been in there so long, Mm -hmm. you become used to it that when we free your mind, you almost have a negative reaction because you've been plugged in so long. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to hear this message and won't accept it, but that's because you've been plugged on in too long. I need the people to understand you're plugged into the matrix and don't even know it. Like, do you, do you want to be made whole? Like, do you want to be free? Do you even, would you even recognize at this point what real freedom looks like? Because it's not like it's not right there where, where the spirit of the Lord is. There's Liberty. 
it's right there. But most people are like Harriet Tubman's sister in the movie Harriet when she went back to get her sister, and she said, everybody ain't meant to be free, Harriet. Some people have been bound so long. They have been enslaved so long. They have been held in this one space for so long that they don't even recognize what real freedom looks like anymore. Spiritual bondage. Right. And you trying to free them feels more like bondage than freedom. If we don't learn from history, we're bound to repeat it. Yeah. And the ocean is the promised land and the fishbowl is Egypt. Mm. And we begged and we begged to go back to Egypt. And now you in Egypt mm-hmm. and don't even re- realize you in Egypt. Yeah. Break out of the fishbowl and go back to the promised land. Yeah. I have shared the truth with people who it was more stressful for them than the bondage they were in. And then I have shared the truth with people who I thought they are never, ever going to talk to me again once I say this, but I got to say it. And, and they give their whole life to And Jesus. they set them free. And they're set free. The Bible says, he who gains knowledge gains sorrow. And the more I hear that scripture and read it and think about it and meditate on it, that can mean a lot of things when you gain knowledge of the word and you realize what you've been limited in. Mm-hmm. When you gain knowledge and understand I've been in bondage, spiritual bondage, and, and now you're in grievous because it's like, I've been believing this one way this whole time. Mm-hmm. And there is a freedom in Christ. That I never knew. That I never knew. Paul Paul felt so free. Mm-hmm. The minute he, the minute them scales dropped from his eyes, Shonda, there was a freedom mm-hmm. that he never knew he needed, that he never knew existed. There was a freedom. Yeah. The flip side to freedom. And Paul said it too. He's like, you know, I recognize now that there's a law in my body that's worn against the law in my mind. That when freedom hits you, it is great and wonderful. But then everything about the old you starts to fight. Once you become free, the war ensues. And the battle is for your soul. Either you're going to allow love to use your soul to spread it around, or you're going to stay where you are in, in, engulfed in your ego and your feelings being bruised, and and you'll just be spinning spinning your wheels. You'll be moving. You just won't go be going anywhere. All movement ain't progress. <sighs> it's not. But Brock and I don't. We don't talk about these things because we haven't experienced them. He and I both. I feel real comfortable saying this. He and I both have been in a fishbowl. Absolutely, was in a fishbowl for a very long time. A long time. We know what it's like to be bound emotionally mentally, spiritually, and physically. We know what that's like. So when we say, listen, there is freedom when you come out of that. Shonda, when I broke out that fishbowl and went back in the ocean and realized that I was being stunted spiritually, that I was being stunted emotionally, mm-hmm. that I was being stunted physically, that I was wrestling with things and, and, and seeking answers to things that were in the ocean. That there are other people in the ocean mm-hmm. that can help you in places that maybe the person who you reaching out for on Sunday service can't help you. And that's okay. Right. That's okay. I, I remember one time I heard a pastor say, you know, it was funny when we were growing up, 
he said, well, you know, I'm growing up in a Pentecostal church and you didn't go to no other church. You ain't go to no Baptist church. You ain't go to no uh, AME, whatever. He said, he said, I had an uncle that would take me to his church and he was a Baptist because his dad wasn't around. He said, mighty funny that the message that I would hear the Baptist preacher preaching, I'm hearing the Pentecostal preacher preaching. So the Pentecostal preacher knew what the Baptist preacher was preaching. Mm -hmm. He just limited his people from going to that person. You see what I'm saying? And we get into this, Shonda, we get into this whole denomination, which we did a podcast about denominations and this, that, and another. You can learn a lot from an AME minister Mm -hmm. just because, because they might be AME because that's what they was raised. Well, that's what I guess I'm AME because that's what I was raised. I was raised Baptist. I guess is what I'm Methodist, whatever it may be. It does not stop the message or the power that God has given them the gift. Right. To be able to set you free, to help you, to give you a word in that moment that can help you out. Right. Who was Ananias? It don't really give us much of who he was. Right. But he was somebody that God trusted enough to send Paul to right. to pray over him. Mm-hmm. Did, did Ananias have a title? Did nope. he? Did we later find out it was Apostle Ananias? No. Nope. He could have sent. He could have sent Peter right. I mean, excuse Paul right to Peter, or to one of the apostles, mm-hmm. and said, "Go to them. They gonna pray for you." Why wouldn't God? Why wouldn't Jesus send Paul to Peter and all of them? You want to know why? Because he knew. That is for as free as Peter and the other apostles were, they were still in their own fishbowl. Right. They still had an issue with the Gentiles. With the Gentile. He needed somebody who he knew when I set them free, mm-hmm. they will be free what? Indeed. Indeed. They not going to be free like you're going to be free. Mm-mm. No. They was lake fish. He needed an ocean fish. Right. That's what Paul was. Mm-hmm. Peter and the apostles, you know, Mississippi river. That's a big river. Yeah. Flows. Mm-hmm. But you, and you can it's maybe get to the, the ocean from it. Huh? It's still not the Atlantic. It's still not the Atlantic. Right. So you got limitations. You still free. You can still grow. Right. But you can't grow like you would. Ain't no whales in the Mississippi river. No, no. You got to be willing to jump out. You got to be willing to come out of the fishbowl. Even if you go from the fishbowl to the sink, from the sink to the tub, from the tub to a pond, from the pond to a lake, from the lake to a river, from the river to the ocean, whatever your path is, you got to come out of this bowl first. It all starts with getting out the bowl. It all starts with that. And that's whatever the fishbowl is. If it's in your mind, if it's the, the, the place where you go worship, if it's the place where you work, wherever you are, where your growth is being stunted, where you realize that you have outgrown what is being given to you and you too scared to move because this is all you used to, you're in a fishbowl. We was on fire today. (laughs) I know I was. I probably talked more than I ever talked. They were like, Brock showed enough was going. (laughs) I could tell this been on him. I said the same thing in my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah, he been over. Hey, run it. Let it ride. I'm, I'm just saying, Shonda, ride. I'm just saying, it's frustrating to me because I know, especially on this Resurrection Sunday that we're recording, it's like we hear the same message. Mm-hmm. You can say it prettier. You can say it with a little bit more um, or, or oracle or ordo brilliance. 
but it's still the same message. Right. The message has to change. How we address people, the issues that people are going through, it needs to change. It has to go back to not telling you to, we have to go to synagogue mentality, mm-hmm. a meeting place. We have to be the place where people come and discuss the ideas because it's no longer the unknown God. When we, Sean, it's one of the things where they say, all you doing is, you know, like we talk about people who watch Fox News or people who watch MSNBC. It's just an echo chamber for what you already believe. You're literally reaffirming what you already believe. Mm. You need to understand that there are people out here who don't believe what you believe. And how are you going to set them free? But you can't set nobody free when you're in bondage yourself. Right. And that's why I'm passionate about this because I see so many people are in bondage. They're in bondage. And I want to see us get out that fishbowl. We've been putting God in a box for way too long. Way too long. Like, could you imagine putting God in a box? Now, no. But it was a time where it was like, yeah, this is his box. Because you know what? You know what, B? I was introduced to a God in a box. So that's the God I believed. And the God you believe is the God you receive. So if you start to believe, if you're introduced to a God in a fishbowl or a God in a box, you'll get a God in a fishbowl in a box because your expectations will always be small. You'll always be asking God for quarters when he has all the cattle on a thousand hills. And you'll be asking him for quarters because you have a fishbowl mentality. And you can always tell the, the fishbowl mentality by the quality of their ask. What are they asking God for? They're asking God for things that somebody sitting in the chair next to them can do because they're afraid to ask him for bigger. So they ask people who they know. it. Listen, there are certain things I'm going to come to you for because I know you got it. Once it gets outside that range, hey, hey, God. I know B ain't got you. this. You know what I mean? I don't even go to him with, with, with this. And trust me, y'all, I've, I've come to him with some things. So <laughs> let, me, let me put that out there right now. It ain't fishbowl. It right. ain't fishbowl it ain't, no, mentality. This ain't, no, it's tref, definitely not fishbowl <laughs> mentality. But no, it's true. Yeah. So we've got to, those of us who are no longer in the fishbowl, we have to introduce people to an expanded God. We have to introduce people to a big God, which means we have to allow him to do big things with us. We can't just sit around holding on to that one dirty talent, trying to convince people that, oh, he can make it 10. Well, but you only have this one dusty, and, dirty And one. you ain't did nothing with that one you nothing. got. That's like inviting me to your church and you still lying and cussing and everything else. It ain't working for you. So what do you think I'm is not go- going? <laughs> no, thank you. I'm cool. Cool. Straight. I'm good. I'm good with my synagogue. Right. I'm good with my synagogue. Good with it. Period. So, I think that whole this whole episode been a block is hot because that was a little uh, hot. You got something this week? Um, you know what? I've been kind of quiet this week, so I don't have any sc- anything scorching my block right now. You don't have anything scorching your block. I might have had a couple things, but we we already almost at an hour and a half. So I don't, you know, I don't want to hit people with uh too much. Um, I'm just gonna say this. 
and this is just, it's not my closing, but I'm just going to say this with the fishbowl thing. Set yourself free. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask you about your pastor. He's not going to ask you about your best friend, your kids. He's going to ask you what you did with the talents that I gave you. The tools I gave you to be able to use these talents, what did you do with them? And if you try to blame it on anybody else, ask Adam how that worked out for him. <laughs> you, you liked that, right? I did. <laughs> ask Adam how that worked out for him. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. that was what's the first thing he said. Oh, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't take no responsibility None. for himself. None. Because who did God get instructions to? Adam. And then what did Adam say? What's well, the woman you gave me? Right. So what I'm going to say, what's well, the pastor you told me to go to his church? You're going to have no excuse. No excuse. No excuse. You ready to close, Rabbi? Yeah. I know you got something. Yep. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm I know you got go. something. <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We were not meant to be small. We were not meant to shrink down so that we could fit in. We belong just as we are. And let me say this. The fishbowl is dangerous because it gives you the false sense that you can swim. But you can't swim until the water is deep enough that it actually takes you off your feet. So launch out into the deep. Just dropping bars. We normally don't even play that during the. Um, I'm not going to pull a full scripture that out that for me to read. But when um, I'm going to say this, when you all get a chance, I want you all to go to Jeremiah. 23 through 25 and just read how scathing of an account that God gave to the pastors who led his sheep astray and how they were destroying his flock and the things he had to say about them. But I'm going to close with this. The What's the big deal? I'm baptized and I speak with other tongues. Haven't you heard my prayer language lately? Shanda. Sisters and brothers, recognize and realize this. Your prayer language with no fruit don't mean a thing with God. You have to have fruit in the spirit. Yes, that's just the calmness of God, the kindness of God to start us in the right direction. But after you've been water and spirit baptized, now what? Now what are you doing? Are you producing? Are you producing the word? Are you winning souls? Are, are you living the life? Are you reaching the laws? What are you doing? Or are you just talking about No, no, stop that and get busy and get some work done come on and shout hallelujah shout glory sisters and God I want you to look at that fishbowl and I want you to throw it against the wall and break yourself free and understand that which is free is free indeed and with that being said I just want to thank you for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus where it's not about the road 
It's about the journey. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be blessed and God bless. Happy Resurrection Sunday.